Should we do an introduction? In what sense? Uh, me, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I'm happy to just like talk to you for a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. How, how I introduce myself? I can just start asking you questions. That part I'm totally comfortable with. Oh, you're introducing me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. we can do that too. <laughs> it's do you want to introduce you. yourself as the host first? No. no. <laughs> I can introduce myself as a terrible guest who ends up engrilling <laughs> yeah, the host in the process. You're not a terrible te- a guest, that's for sure. Um, yeah, we can start. Are you already recording? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. The whole time. Oh, that's good. That's good. See? That's how it's going to work. Yeah. Um, what made you want to start a podcast? What? Yeah. Oh, what What made me want to start podcasting? Yeah. Aaron did. Yeah. <laughs> Aaron had this idea of doing a little graduation podcast for, for our cohorts just okay. for fun. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, why not? And then he um, he ditched me. So so here I am <laughs> being interviewed by Tracy yeah. Wong. Yeah. But you talked about doing a podcast before or wanting to, to do a podcast before. Yeah. So what's the, yeah, I don't know. What's the drive? What's the interest? The, the drive at the time, I think, um, was I was probably bored. Um, wasn't in business school yet at the time. And I have... Uh, very good girlfriend um, she's also from China we both just had this idea that clicked together we wanted to have a podcast for um, women immigrants mm-hmm. uh, that po- the podcast was supposed to be called colorful Wo- women um, so the purpose of having that podcast is really to to talk about the barriers we we've uh, we've faced, mm-hmm. we've encountered um, being immigrants coming to this country, and um, she was also a volunteer for uh, 1.5 Gen. I think that's a organization itself. Um, so obviously yourself, I think you're you should be counted as a 1.5 yeah, Gen some, to some to for some sure. extent. So. So the barriers or the difficulties, just the, the the experience of being immigrant in in Canada or North America in general, I think. So we wanted to to just have some talks or discussions around that, to break stereotypes, mm-hmm. to break out those barriers. I want to ask you more questions about that. Can I keep going, or do you want me to actually ask you questions? Sure. If you want to, it just makes me sad because the the project fell off, and I may like. She's going to finish her MBA on the same time as us. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll be bored, and that when we, you know, we're we're more mature now to maybe take on the project yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think is the biggest stereotype of, let's say, new immigrant women in particular in Canada? It's hard to generalize. Um, being good at math for starters mm-hmm. yeah i am uh as a chinese person mm-hmm. <laughs> terrible at math uh failed my advanced calculus twice in college i, yeah. I like, barely graduated because of that and i just i'm a fraud <laughs> like i i can't i don't know sometimes when i say i have a master's degree in science and i just i shivel inside because i know how bad my math is i, I i'm not good with math and advanced calculus like just super mathematical calculations and super scientific math i'm terrible with that 
Yeah. So that's that's just one, and again, like one other one I've mentioned in our course, Asian female driver. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, it's a big one. Yep. Um, and I, you know, it, it's silly, but I, I really worry about that sometimes. And to be fair, I think truthful too. Um, these stereotypes exist for a reason too. Um, because I, I do feel, well, I have seen a lot of terrible Asian female drivers on the road myself. And, you know, when people have seen enough, maybe it, it's hard for people not to be biased and not to have that judgment and uh, generalized label mm -hmm. over one category of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think your two examples are really, really interesting. The first one being relatively innocuous. Like, it seems pretty innocent just to say, oh, like, Chinese people are good at math. Um, but I think it highlights that some of these are just, they're so little, right? But they kind of, they represent something bigger. And it's also really interesting because it's a positive stereotype, right? In lots of ways, I think people assume, like, being good at math is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But your other example is the opposite, right? Yeah. It represents um, an inability to do something. Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of attached to that, right? This idea that, you know you're not as knowledgeable or skilled or whatever it is and it's entirely based on yeah something superficial so yeah and i also feel um i think i might have heard this from my my friend um amber she she had heard things like you know all asian girls maybe like generalizing east asian girls like they're super easy oh, to yeah. You know what I mean? Like in a sexual way, they're, they're easy women to to get. And that's just a super disrespectful. And I don't know where that came from. And again, it may come from somewhere, but that just, I don't know, shouldn't exist. No, and that's, yeah. a, that's a huge topic. The fetishization of Asian women yeah. is wild. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's huge. It's really um, surprisingly pervasive. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't thought about it a ton, but it's a fascinating topic. Mm -hmm. It's a, yeah. What do you think makes a good podcast host? <sighs> I don't know. A podcast host. I'm, I'm trying to think of the podcast that I enjoy. Mm -hmm. Besides the news um, podcast. A host that listens and asks good questions. You're a fantastic podcast host. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I take that as a compliment. What, which, uh, what kind of podcast do you listen to? I know mm. you mentioned news. So I started listening to a news podcast mm -hmm. uh, very recently. It's one of my New Year resolutions. Nice. Yeah, so I've been listening to WSJ, uh, Wall Street Journal's mm -hmm. news, uh, What's News. Uh, they have a morning edition and evening edition each day. And oh, wow. Each episode is... 13 to 15 minutes quite digestible and mm. they talk about the super current world events going around and mostly around like american economy which is really relatable, relatable and uh it like matters for us too so yeah. uh, so i found it good yeah. yeah do you mean relatable and matters from the the perspective of like being a canadian and the american economy affects us or from the mba perspective and that's really like both yeah yeah because um, Rewind for three years, I probably wouldn't care for a lot of the economy talks. Mm -hmm. um, I think would be mainly because I like didn't understand enough jargons, and now I do. 
Yeah. 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 Yes. There you go. Take away from the NBA. Mm. You can listen to Wall Street Journal podcast. I know. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah. 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 It's 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 good. Um, I don't know about you. I do feel much more. Well, you're super confident to start with already. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you found that piece of like you talked about. You have imposter syndrome in the class as well. Yeah. I don't know if you have found somewhat more confident um, after the MBA program. Yeah, I don't know if I would describe it as more confident, but I feel more validated.、Mm-hmm. Um, I remember in one of our leadership classes, it was Rob who was saying this,、mm-hmm. but it was an observation that. So many people in the MBA seem to have a similar feeling of, I don't deserve to be here, or I don't know what I'm doing, or that that form of doubting one's abilities, or whether you deserve to have what you have. Yeah. And it feels both validating and very confusing because you'll look laterally and you realize people are so intelligent and engaged and curious and kind. Like they're such wonderful people that you think, how could anybody? Like how could any of these people doubt themselves, right? Yeah.、Um, and then again, very validating to think, well, if they doubt themselves, and I do too, like there's something, there's something in that shared experience that makes you feel a little bit less、um, alone in thinking that you can't do things. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a there's a thinking of, or a perception perhaps of, these impressive people feel that way, but they're still so impressive. So it kind of makes you feel like you can do it too. Do you know what I mean? There's something about that kind of shared experience that I think feels very validating. Totally, and I I, I could say because again I've, I've said this to you、um, personally before. You're one of the most impressive and incredible people in our cohort, in my opinion. <laughs> I'm sure in a lot of people's opinions too. And then when we heard you bring it up,、um, it was a it was a shock. You know what I mean? Like I, I could see. Well, I had imposter syndrome syndrome since day one of MBA, big time, and I just we couldn't we could not digest the the fact that you you were having this shared feeling.、Um, so I don't know. In the way,、um, well, I felt more connected to you before than already, but I I do feel sharing that shared. Feeling sharing that、um, vulnerability really opens up people's mind,、totally. um, yeah. and you know perception of your image too. Yeah. So firstly, I will say thank you. It was very very kind of you. I could not feel like that's farther from the truth. But like, I had a mentor who once said to me, like, you you have to learn to accept a compliment. Right. When people give you a compliment, they mean it, and to brush it off is also somewhat disrespectful to them. So it's a it's a skill to learn to just accept a compliment and take、oh. it.、Um, so trying to live by that, I want to say thank you. I appreciate it, even、you're, if I don't feel、welcome. the way. I,、um, yeah, I just want to ask more about that. Do you have any tricks or just? I think this particular piece, I I struggle with that personally,、mm-hmm. and I know other people.、Mm-hmm. Um, That are listening to this podcast <laughs> might be suffering the same thing because every time when I receive a compliment, not every time, a lot of the times、yes. I feel no, they didn't mean that. Yeah, exactly. No, like that's not me. Like they're just saying it to be nice.、Mm-hmm. I I can't get rid of that feeling. How 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 do you how do you over overcome that? Yeah. So 
Yeah, I'll talk about that in a second. But I don't know about you. I find when people say stuff like that, I will often directly say like, "Oh no!" Like verbally, right? Yeah, yeah, you will yeah. tell them, "No, no, no, no." Yeah. Um, and that was the main thing that my mentor was like, "Don't do that." Like, you know, it's the same thing of like if you give somebody a gift yeah. and they tell you no oh, and no. reject it, yeah, like it doesn't yeah, yeah. make you you feel good. The person giving the the um, compliment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I totally kind of empathize with. Yeah, do you like think it's a Chinese thing? I don't like, know. Partially, culturally, like to me, like I I know to me yeah. it's part of the culture that that you know being humble. Then they all in a sudden it becomes part of part of your blood and your habit, and it's just hard to change. Um, but but I I feel for you maybe different. I think there's certainly a cultural aspect to it. It's mm-hmm. uh, like the term coming to my mind is kutsi, right? Like yeah. you always want to kind of defer and be humble exactly as you yeah, said. Yeah, right? exactly. You want to be generous to the other people, but yeah. very, you know, yeah. deflective of it to yourself and, and that kind of thing. So I think yeah. that's really part exactly. of it. Exactly, because being kutsi is, is, a, is a big part of Chinese culture, right? Because yeah. in our culture, if you accept the compliment easily, it's a sign of you being entitled. cocky yeah. and entitled and not grateful yeah. or, you know, just, um, yeah, not a good quality. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's, I'm sure there are roots in that. Um, I think part of it is, is just uncomfortable. Um, I'm sure for some people it's very easy just to kind of sit there and take a compliment, but yeah. I find it very uncomfortable. Um, but to your earlier point around how do you, kind of accept it and internalize it, I find I often don't. Mm-hmm. It's the, and we talked about this in our leadership class, but mm-hmm. it's the behavior that you do first and then hopefully later the internalization happens. So it's usually that I just, what I've learned to do over the years, you just say less, right? So you just yeah. say thank you, mm-hmm. acknowledge it, appreciate it, and then move on. Um, whereas I typically have a habit of over-explaining. Yeah. Right. Or even if I deflect something that I want to explain why and that it's actually all these other people who do wonderful things, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've tried to do that more just to just to say a very direct thank you, acknowledge it, appreciate it. And then hopefully later on <laughs> your own self-confidence catches up. Um, I can see how that works because just I feel just as how the consciousness of you know being modest and humble i explained it's almost like reverse engineering exactly. that, right? yeah 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 it's yeah to your point it's almost like if you don't say it it's not real kind mm-hmm. of thing so if you don't reject the compliment you know outright maybe somewhere in mm-hmm. your psyche you kind of hold on to it yeah um yeah i don't know whether or not it's working but at least if nothing else thinking about it from the other per- person's perspective right if somebody gives you a compliment you just receive it well yeah um so even if i don't internalize it that's fine but at least i've treated the person who gives it to you Mm -hmm. kindly you know um yeah yeah for sure yeah okay i'm gonna ask a few questions i prepared (laughs) yeah i'm thinking i don't know if any of that's usable so yeah we can like kind (laughs) of no i'm I'm sure it'll be good i'll I'll do some cut and or maybe just leave the whole thing i think it's going to be good i see Whoever is interested can listen, and they're, if they're not interested, they don't have to listen. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. Just listen to us pontificate about yeah. whatever. This, this question, I think, credit to Madison Connor. <laughs> when it comes to orange juice, do you drink it with pulp? Or pulp. Pulp. 100% pulp. 
And why is that? Because that's how you know it's from a real orange. <laughs> oh. That's it. I also, I that's like the texture. One. Yeah. I like the kind of thicker texture. Texture is a big thing. Yeah. yeah. But I, I'd say I would argue, even though there's pot in it, you, you still don't know if it's coming from the real orange. Maybe. <laughs> Just kidding. Do they make artificial pulp? No. In China, That's... in China, there is a specific orange juice I've had. There is artificial pulp in it. Wow. Yeah, and I'm sure the orange juice is also artificial, but no. <laughs> Move on. Who are you? We haven't introduced you yet. Yeah. Do you know who you're listening to? I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> that feels like a deep philosophical question, but I'll try and answer it um, like a normal person. You don't have to. Um, <laughs> Well, no, I also don't know the answer to the deep philosophical <laughs> version, so... Um, my name is Tracy. Uh, who am I? I guess I'll kind of talk through... Just details, because again, that feels like a philosophical question. Um, I'm doing the MBA at Haskane. Started that in 2020. Um, prior to that, I've got a Master's of Public Policy from the U of T. And prior to that, um, a Bachelor of Arts and Science from McGill where I studied English Lit, Economics, and Biology. Totally unrelated topics, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and for work now, I work at the university um, in the School of Medicine. I'm a director of a unit that builds electronic databases for data capture, um, custom platforms, and also, also some methods and analytics services uh, to support health and clinical research data collection. Yeah, I don't know. Amazing. Told you, you're one of the most <laughs> impressive people in the cohort. Oh, no, no, no. No, that's far from true. <laughs> Um, tell us one thing that most in a cohort don't know about you. Oh, that's hard. I know one, but yeah, I don't want no, to. No, you give, yeah, I don't you give want, it to me. No, I don't want to jinx it. I have no idea. I don't know what people do and don't know. And I also what, I feel your, like I talk a lot and don't say very much. What was much. your dream before the, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> before my current path in life? Yeah. Uh, my dream was to be a doctor. It was a pretty firm, like... I think I was seven or something when I figured it out and I was like, this is what I want to do. It was pretty immediate um, in the same way that I think people describe like callings to the priesthood or whatever. Yeah. Um, it felt, I would say for me, at least quite similar. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I chased for a really, really long time. Uh, and then I've often described my professional career, at least, as a series of plan Bs. Most of the dreams or ambitions that I had didn't come through and so then I did the second choice or my backup choice. Um, and I'm very, very grateful for that in lots of ways. I'm really glad um, that I didn't get the things that I wanted per se. It, mm -hmm. makes, it makes you challenge yourself, right? And kind of think through, yeah. well, why do I want these things? And there's, it just adds more thought and depth to those things. Um, so yeah, that was the original, original idea. Um, and here I am. That's Not that, at all doing that. <laughs> that's just fascinating because as a as a person who's in her 30s and still, you know, feeling like a lost lamb every day, <laughs> just knowing who you want to be since the age of seven is, is fascinating to me. And also, that's not one of the stereotypical <laughs> becoming a doctor because you're your agent thing. And yeah. it's, it's coming from your own heart. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I also feel where you are is some somewhat like miraculously landed, you know, it's a, there's a, a cross path there that's just beautifully aligned together. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that, that I think if I had ended up being a doctor and everything had kind of fallen into line how I originally 
um, wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a no guarantee that I would have liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the things that at least I hear from my friends now who are doing residency or who are doctors are frustrated by. I mm-hmm. think I would find pretty, pretty unbearable. Um, and it would feel very disappointing after a lifelong dream wanting something for so long for it to be so different from what you hoped it would be, I think would be quite disappointing. Um, but to your point around kind of the clarity of, of knowing it from a very young age, in retrospect now, it feels so naive, right? It was based on very little. Mm-hmm. I was seven. I was not a very sophisticated person and wasn't kind of thinking in any like deep, rational way. Um, and so that's why I say it's kind of a good thing that it didn't happen, right? Because mm-hmm. it, it evoked this this reflection of why. Well, why? You know, like I've said it for as long as I have, mm-hmm. but really what's underlying that, what's underpinning it? Um, so that was a very helpful exercise. And then that's kind of continued on in lots of the other stuff that I've done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in lots of ways, I'm very happy I ended up where I am. I think I'm, what I do now is perhaps better suited for my skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, and more than that, I think what I love about the path that I'm on now is that, um, I guess I'll back up for a second. Part of the reason why I wanted to be a doctor is this idea of making an impact in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and both the, in both the sense of kind of scale and magnitude, mm-hmm. I'll say. Scale meaning the number of people you impact, magnitude meaning the depth of the yeah. impact that you make. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a physician, you get it in the magnitude sense, right? You make a huge difference in individual people's lives. Yeah. Um, but what I do now is more suited for the scale piece, yeah. right? So some of the work that I'm able to do, um, sometimes it's quite indirect, but you're able to see the impact that it makes on a much larger scale. It's kind of what drew me to government before. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's something about that that I think I would have missed mm-hmm. had I not ended up on this kind of career path. So I'm uh, quite thankful I failed in all the ways that I did. Um, I think I'm better for it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's amazing, and I, I feel you. You you've definitely figured out that why piece from the age seven already, and I just came up with this question on the fly. What do you say? Well, I guess besides being impactful for you know people for other human beings, what's your top core value? Oh my gosh. I feel like there's like three or four that come to mind. And yeah, then it's a battle of which I one wins. Do that. Yeah, was which one is the biggest one? Yeah. Core value for oh, I don't even know. For myself, for other people, like for everything. My career. Um top top core value. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, there's two. Okay. But I don't think I can. Then you don't it have down. to pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> further. Um the first one that comes to my mind is integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, what that means is doing what you say you'll do. Um, as much consistency as possible between all of the different versions of yourself, like all those things kind of together to me are our integrity. Um, I know we were talking about this earlier today, but like obviously you're different with different audiences. Yeah. The goal being that the, the size of the difference is relatively small. So that again, you're just a consistent Kind of person through and through. You truly live by that. I I can I can say that. Oh, thank I you. I think on be on behalf of other cohort who <laughs> has worked with you um, in this in the group project too. I think yeah. Thanks, thanks. It's um, 
there's the practice to say yeah. thank you. <laughs> Good um, practice. Uh, yeah, and, and I especially think it's important from the what you say, mm-hmm. right? Um, so if I say I'm a particular kind of person or this is what I care about, that my actions follow that mm-hmm. and support it. Um, the other main core value that comes to mind is kindness. Um, I just don't see a reason in lots of cases to be rude to yeah. people that we're, you know, we're all people and people are very complex and you never know what somebody else is going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why not be kind? Yeah. Right. Thanks. It feels like such a kind of simple thing. Um, and I would like to hope is unconscious in most cases. Um, but if I ever waver, I try and fall back on that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter the, the kind of difficult situation, whatever it may be, just to try and approach it with kindness. What are yours? Oh God! <laughs> Not again! <laughs> I'm the host now. <laughs> you don't. I, you don't get to ask That's questions. Fine. Fine. <laughs> um, I think we can just. What? What? What would you say was the biggest harvest to you from the MBA, or what was the most memorable thing? You can speak on both words. If not, you can pick one. Yeah. So the gut reaction I, I have is the people. Um, Oh, and I will. Yeah, hundred <laughs> um, percent. And it's like I've I've said it in other contexts, but there's this idea of in five years down the line, I'm not going to remember what we learned in. I don't know. I was going to name a class. But it's <laughs> it's five years down the line, like it's not even three years. Yet yeah. I already forgot. No, exactly right. Yeah. It will be like a, once the semester's over, you forget all this stuff. Right? Yeah, it's. There's some things from the classes that I'll take away, I'm sure, but, you know, I'm not going to remember those pieces. Mm-hmm. The pieces that you will both remember and I think carry on with you um, are the relationships that you make, right? And I think in the in any sort of MBA program, there's a lot of talk around networking and that sort of thing. Um, and I think it's certainly true from a professional standpoint. I think that perspective is very easy to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also true from the personal perspective, right? You go through this experience... Yeah. With other people mm-hmm. who, you know, struggle through the same things you struggle with. And I'm thinking like academically, professionally and personally, right? There's something about that that's very, um, what's the word? Like it connects you, you know? Yeah. That coming back to that shared feeling you yeah. were talking about, the shared experience too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that'll both be the... I think you, you phrase it as a harvest and a takeaway, right? I think mm-hmm. that's the it's both of those. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm sure there are pieces of knowledge that I'll take with me. There's um, I've often described the one of the things I like so much about working while doing the MBA. The workload is very very hard for sure, mm-hmm. but a lot of at least for me, it's happened quite a few times where you can see the application of what you learn almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so at work, I've said this, but it'll be a, you know, I learned something Tuesday evening and then Wednesday morning I show up at work and I can put it into practice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely true. There's definitely pieces of the MBA from an academic perspective that I'll, I'll take away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the thing that feels the most long lasting, important and what I care about more mm-hmm. is the people, the relationships and stuff you build along the way. Definitely. I, um, I echo that. I resonate with that. A hundred percent, because I I feel exactly the same way. Yeah. 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 It's a good crew. 
It really is. <laughs> I feel I feel lucky. Um, I'm really grateful for the cohort we have. I'm really, really, really grateful for the friendship that I harvested yeah. along the way. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. beautiful. Well, um, I just want to add one more thing to that. It's uh, I also find things like education fascinating for this because mm-hmm. it also brings together people that you probably never would have met otherwise. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Like, how would I ever meet you? Exactly. Exactly. We <laughs> yeah. live like five minutes apart, right? Yeah. But like, it's extremely unlikely that our paths would have crossed. Yeah. In any other circumstance, like totally. And I, I think that's generally quite true, right? Even some of our our colleagues who work in the same company or industry or whatever it is, it's mm-hmm. still it it just introduces you to a group of people that you probably never would have met otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that's. I think it's kind of beautiful, you know? Yeah. It's cool. I'm uh, now worried that, like, we'll have my mom's phones, like, background <laughs> noise the whole time. But it makes it feel we'll real. <laughs> it's real and it's homey. Exactly. It's warm. Yeah, it's exactly. all good. But I think with that, we can we can wrap today's podcast up. Um, I'm your host, Kluwen, and uh, that was... That was my mom closing some <laughs> list of <laughs> containers. Okay. Uh, the guest today we have is, uh, is Tracy, Tracy Wong. Um, thank you very much for coming, Tracy. Thank you. I was super nervous, but this was fun. Oh, it was great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thanks.